0: Hey podcast listeners, welcome to episode 26 of Misfits. This is where I speak to the rebels, the outliers in Singapore. Try to see things as how they see it and to learn from them. Some of these individuals include Darny Young, who has won the Grand Beatbox Battle Championship twice in a row. Uh, that is the World Championship, Beatbox World Championship, Benny CTO, who is the co-founder of Aiden Chef, Asian Punk, and a whole lot more. And today on the show, we have Claire. Chang. So uh, she's the co-founder of Banyan Tree Hotels and Resorts. She's also the first of two women who has break the long-standing tradition of an all-male member of the Singapore Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Claire is the chairman of Wildlife Reserve Singapore Conservation Fund, the Shireen Foster Program, and the National Book Development Council of Singapore. She occasionally contributes and leads various committees in the Ministry of Manpower, Ministry of Defence, Ministry of Home Affairs, National Arts Council, and the Raffles Girls Secondary School. In the conversation, we spoke about how to deal with the glass ceiling, how to be a mom while running a business, what Claire learned from the study of sociology, and much, much more. I personally really enjoyed this conversation uh, with Claire, as you can see, by the length of the podcast. And so without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with the one and only Claire Chung. Well, thank you so much for coming on the interview, Claire. Um, I really uh, am quite excited to to speak to you. I think with years of experience and uh, a lot of uh, our mutual friends has sort of have very high uh, regards uh, in the work that you do uh, as well as uh, more than the work as uh, you as a person um, and so I think that speaks a lot and uh, I'm hence excited to speak to you. Welcome. Thank you. Um, so maybe let's start with this first question is um, when you're overseas and someone will come up and ask you you know assuming that they don't recognize you mm-hmm. what do you do? <clears throat> so how will you answer
1: that? Um, I'm good. And yourself, have we met before? Oh, yes, I remember. You start an uh, icebreaker, warm up.
0: Yeah, and then it goes on to the actual question and be like, wow, so you, you, look, you look very interesting. You know, like, what, um, what do you do in, uh, in your life? What are you doing?
1: Well, when it's an open question like that, um, and for someone who has lived at least six decades... You sort of wonder where you start. Then I will then see where this people is, where this person is from, the context that I met her or him, and what I would second guess what's the purpose of her him coming to me. Uh, there must be just a befriending gesture or or yep. wanting to she ask something. To so I will very quickly in the half minute have to do that summary of what this whole thing is about. And then I will just say that, well, you know, um, I'm a volunteer. Or I could say I, you know, work in the hospitality, hospitality sector. So it depends. I suppose with different people, different times and situations, my answer will be different. Actually,
0: I want to dig into that a little bit more because I think uh, I spoke to uh, Violet and she said, you have this uh, sort of uh, a gift of uh, uh, shape-shifting uh, and relating uh, to people. Uh uh, so, how would what would you choose maybe uh, when you meet? Uh, so, how how does that process look like when you choose where to, what head you were?
1: You know, I I at this stage when I have come through a lot of experiences, I feel that one way I could contribute is to really see how I can connect the dots. Uh, that really means respecting and appreciating. All the talents around me. And mind you, Singapore, there are plenty. It's just that we may sometimes not have the lens to spot it. And then once we spotted it, we may not know how to optimize it. And even more, how to maximize it by stringing them together to scale up to create that bigger impact. Hence, just a minute ago when we were talking, I see in you the talent and the things that we are doing here. And I see the possibility then of using your platform and what I do to create a communication channel Mm -hmm. for books, for example. So I think it is really about respecting that everyone has something to offer in this world. Mm -hmm. And is to discover what that may be and how to link the various dots together to scale up. I don't believe in... um, singular leadership i do believe in team and collective effort and i'm most joyous and happy in doing that so safe
0: um and maybe my, my question a better question would be also uh in the half minute when you meet that person yeah. uh introducing yourself as a volunteer versus introducing yourself as a business leader yeah. uh, or grandma yeah. you know or wife like like what are the few things or the decision-making process that comes you know, when you put a label on yourself, I guess?
1: Um. Uh, when someone is, is older and obviously not in the sector that I'm in, or probably will not have travelled that much, uh, I will probably look at uh, what she's interested in and ask her, what do you do? And then I would take it from there and then frame my interchange. Then if she's talking about family and her, then I talk about my grandmother. I talk about my children. And if it is about someone who is... Uh, <coughs> so um, I, 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 will, I will try to see what interests that person and engage. If I speak to a um, banker, um, obviously a young person, They're not going to be interested in my grandchild or the family sector. I then will talk about uh, what how's the banking today. And immediately we'll talk about how about banking for women. She'll say, hmm, this is probably not a segment she thinks about. Then I'll engage. So in a way, I do like purposeful conversations. I chill, yes, small talk, talk about food, talk about fashion, talk about children, etc. But I think every conversation, there's also a purpose. It could be just about love. Eh? It could be just about friendship. But that, that's also a purpose. But sometimes I feel that people are so busy, the amount of time they want to give to me and vice versa, uh, sometimes we want to focus on something we can do together. And I always find at the end of it, it's sort of enlivened. Uh, each other. Therefore, we, 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 we had enjoyed a fellowship. We also had a purpose, whether it's working on a book, or whether it's planning for an outing, or maybe look, uh, working at a common cause, etc. So, um, in that sense, um, I like conversations. I don't like Skype. I don't like teleconferencing. I don't even like uh, a phone call. I really like face-to-face conversations because that is total. The eye contact, the touch, the pitch, uh, and all that.
0: Um, we're going to do a uh, sidestep. Um, uh, so I read that in the 1950s, you grew up in a two-bedroom apartment in Racecourse Road, uh, sharing uh, a room with two brothers and uh, Two
1: brothers, I've got five. Five? Yes. So all five in, in one room? Well, I mean... In the whole apartment. Wow. So at that time, we don't have beds. Mm-hmm. We have what we call the canvas beds. You know, the kind of foldable, like we use in army, yeah. but it's much higher. I think you don't even know what that is. It's made of canvas with two cross uh, uh, sticks, <laughs> and then you fold it up. So we stack it all up. So if they were all, my brothers were all sleep in the living room with all that canvas. And we have a double-decker bed made of wood and no no cushion, no mattress. No mattress. It's just a cool mat because it's very hot. No icon of course, at that time. So when we were little, then we have three on the top, three below. Then they start to grow. Then they go up to the canvas beds. Then uh, I never had a canvas bed, but I had that double-decker. Then my brother started to move out because my oldest brother is about 12, 10 years different. Uh? The youngest is about three. So in a way, they started to graduate out of the double-decker bed, then out of the canvas bed, and then they started to go to army and etc. Then so over time, I slowly have more space. So I never had my own bedroom in that sense.
0: And how would you describe yourself as a a young uh, Claire, you know, growing up, your personality?
1: Because I was quite sickly. um, Between the years two to three, I think I had some respiratory condition and I could not get out. And the doctors actually gave up on me. Uh, I remembered uh, mum was forever giving me this awful black soup, and I'll be asthmatic, and I cannot breathe, and I'll be sweating, and they have to close all the windows the, to keep me warm. So, you know, I was sick until about secondary one, and even with sec two, I remembered every afternoon, my brother had to take me to Chinatown to a place called Key Clinic for an injection for this whole respiratory condition. I actually get better with age. Uh, doctors are not very optimistic about me. And that's why sometimes when I, I, women came to me and worried about their children, their cough, everything, I said, you know, look at me. The doctors gave up on me when I was two and three. They gave up on me when I was in my teens. But my mother never gave up. She gave me the ch- nutritional soup. She went to the sensei, Chinese doctors. I went to, yes, some uh, um, Western doctors as well. Um, and she put me to sports. She put me to dance and sports to build up my resilience.
0: Wow. Um, well, was that something you're interested in already? So she just gave you a push, a nudge, or...? So
1: I've always been an athlete. I play, I, I was always, the, in primary school, I was a 15 meters dash and then in secondary school, I play hockey, I play netball, and I danced. And then at A level, I do, um, uh, softball. And then at the university, I continue to dance. And then even when I was married with my children, I do with my brothers, um, uh, the 2.4 kilometer run.
0: Oh. And Four that, that rep- respiratory condition didn't, like, hinder you or, you know, Uh, stop you from doing all that did did it
1: no you know because you you can't get out too much so what do i do when i was little and my mother never gave up on me on on treating me but my mother also never gave up on me in building up the ambition for me so she put me to two schools so although i can't play outside and when i was at home i morning i attended one school afternoon i attended another school so i was continually doing homework and Reading. So, in that sense, my affinity to books and to reading and writing, it's probably come up with that condition. So, out of something bad, something else good comes.
0: Yeah, and with this amount of like, like, like tightness of, of time, because you go to two school, right? How, yeah. how do you even squeeze, you know, dance and all this? Uh,
1: no, that was when, when I was young. Okay. Then the dance came out in primary school. Yes, when I was six or seven years old. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, every weekend. I had got a very good teacher who knew of my medical condition, uh, I threw up very often. And uh, she really looked after me. Huang lao Laoshi, she's gone, she's passed on. So she will sort of like buck up with my mother, you know, uh, to to make sure that I, I I always have a change of clothes and that I come on Saturdays to, to the dance studio. Uh, so she looked after me. And then the sports part is slowly. So over the years, um, I have gotten teachers, coaches, mentors who really... Sort of watch out for me, mm. and mum, I think I'm grateful to for not giving up on me. Um, and she didn't know how exactly because mum wasn't rich enough to think of vitamins or milk or or meat. I had my first beef meal at 18 because first she's a Buddhist, so it's never served in the house, and uh, we have like chicken like. Three times a year, oh yes, because it's either Chinese New Year or oh, my father's yeah. birthday or my grandmother's birthday. So the rest of us no birthdays. My family has never celebrated my birthdays. So we grew up in a very different Singapore. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Singapore, which is seven hundred thousand people, and when I was in the university, it was one point two million. Only. So we walk to school, we take the buses, and we play goalie, we catch spiders, we do a lot of, um, uh, uh, self-created games and fun, chatte, hopscotch, things like that, you know?
0: Yeah. So, um, Um, moving on to school a little bit, um, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't trust the internet these days. Mm. Uh, So, I read that you are actually accepted into uh, law school, uh, and Mm. also you wanted to uh, study nursing, Um, and yet you end up majoring in sociology. So, I guess, um, maybe what are the sequence of events that happened that make you end up doing uh, sociology?
1: I was very good in biology, and I was very interested in it, because... My older brother, 10 years difference, yeah? he was um, uh, studying medicine. So he would bring home the skull and books on the human body. And I was, you know, I was I was younger and I was very interested in the human body. I was very interested in health and I wanted to be, but I didn't like science and physics. Oh. And you can't, you can't never become a doctor if you don't have those two subjects, right? But that's why I thought about nursing. But he objected. He he just felt that you no, know, it's not something for me. My 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 father and mother had no vocational guidance for me. Uh, they say my mother her hope is to for me to be a teacher, is stable, is secure, it's a woman's job, is good. Uh, my father had a bigger ambition for me. He wanted me to be a chartered accountant, because he, to take over his business. But I saw the way he worked, and I saw myself. No way. And I want to do nursing, but my brother objected. So um, as a result, I gave up. Uh, then I went on to the A level. Um, I then thought of my first degree I applied for and was rejected for was architecture. I love buildings. I love uh, the idea of creating something. Again, I didn't qualify because I didn't have maths. So that's gone. So I applied for law and social sciences. I was accepted for law, and my girlfriends came up to say, no, no, this is really not something for you, Claire. It's too cut and dry. It's black and white. Your personality is not that way. You're warm, you're people, you're community. You should go to social sciences. Again, lacking vocational guidance and knowing what really what you want It's a uh, 17, 18, and your girlfriends, your best friends say this about you. Then you thought, okay, uh, sociology, philosophy, history, all this sounds very interesting. So I said, no harm. I could always do a second degree. That's what I thought. Lo and behold, I did. I f- I finished and I, I, I then went to France uh, because that's the only country that I could go away and enroll in without any, without having to pay a lot of fees I couldn't afford London School of Economics. I was accepted. I couldn't afford that. So uh, uh, Sorbonne was really like free education. And that's where I learned. And that was really my first turning point. Because I learned French and I discovered the Sinologists and their and their uh, ability with Chinese language. Blue-eyed boys, blonde, able to speak such excellent Chinese and reading classical Chinese on top of that. So I was a bit shameful. So it's
0: like Wenying Wen, that kind.
1: Ka- Wen. Wow.
0: The classics.
1: I, I remembered, and the- and now my Vietnamese, Laotian, Cambodian sisters, whom I first met also, were all sinologists studying the Chinese in the Kai Zi, not in Tian Ti Zi, you know. So that's recognition that I'm Chinese from Singapore. They all just came to me and asked me to teach them. And of course, I couldn't do as well, you know. That awakening, I think...
0: On a poker face
1: or...? No, no, I could read because I was from Nanhua. Remember, my first school was Nanhua. So my cohort, I think my Chinese is pretty okay. Compared to these people, really, they are a lot more scholarly than I was. And that awakening to my own heritage and identity, it's so important. So when I returned from France and I worked in the French embassy, I started to read Chinese newspapers, books, write it and learn it, translate it for the embassy. So it was that awakening that led on to my pursuit in all things Chinese. And my interest continues today. And that's why I'm doing business development in China.
0: Um, I'm curious to know a little bit uh, when you sort of finish uh, school and you have the choice of uh, going out, right? Uh, I mean, uh, out of Singapore. Um, was this something that your parents were very supportive uh, of?
1: My father was. Interestingly, although I'm the only girl in the family of five boys and I have another five cousins, so I grew up with ten boys really. So you would imagine that parents are very protective. My father was uh, was really a learner. And that is something I, I respect and learn from him. He learned and he had failed so many exams, but he continued to go and take exams on accountancy. And he continued to fail, but he never gave up. So my memory of father is always about on the desk, writing and learning. And then he, he will disappear for two days. He went to Hong Kong, went to Australia to take exams. He come home and says, mm, I didn't do it again. I didn't make it. Wow. So it's okay. He'll go again the next year. And do something. So that spirit of learning, I think, is something that I've, 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 I've gotten in. So when he he heard that I wanted to go overseas and to pursue, uh, experiences, he was supportive. Mom, mom was and mom was not. Uh, but financially, they weren't able to, uh, pay me. Um, a monthly sort of a monthly uh, subsidy. Yeah, uh, so I had to work. I had to work and get a little bit of stipends to keep going. I just I have to eat in canteens. I've so I've never eaten in a French restaurant when fourteen months in France.
0: Just baguettes. And-
1: no school. French government was wonderful in giving us a nutritionally planned meal every day, whether it's breakfast or lunch. In.
0: And maybe another interesting thing to note, because is that, was that the thing that you want to do, uh, going overseas to, to achieve, uh, to, to get experience?
1: Oh, yeah. In, yeah. Uh, in that epoch, you know, we, to, to even go to Malaysia, Cameron Highlands was a big thing. It had to be like three months of planning with my mother and, and persuading her to say that I could go on this bus with friends to go to Cameron Highlands. Uh, even at that time, to visit Jurong Night Market overnight or camping was a big thing. So going overseas, where you can't really make phone calls home, where if you do study overseas, you probably come back once in three years, it's like a long way for parents. Now that I am a mother, I understand the pain. At that time, I was saying, why not? You know? But at that time, we didn't have all these conveniences that you young people have today. Yes, so it is it was difficult. That. It was difficult. But going overseas was like, yes, we must do it.
0: So um, sociology, uh, I'm just curious to know, uh, how you, you sort of personally define the study of sociology?
1: Basically, it's a study of men or people in society, the tension and the competition. It had helped me understand why people behave the way they do and why the thought processes are this way within the context um, we are talking about. So people behave differently. The same person behaves differently in different situations. It helps me, it helps to sharpen my understanding of behavior, thought processes, and relationship. It does sound a little bit like psychology as well and a little bit um, archaeology. Psychology is more the, the study of the mind mm-hmm. and all the undercurrents and the makeup of the, uh, the the mind, that direct behavior. Sociology is more about social factors. What's out there that we do as a, as a people? What are the common uh, factors? What is the, uh, the the competition tension between you and me In the way we deal with society What are the organisational life uh, That affects our The way we think And the way we do So in a way One is the mind The other one It is just out there And it is also me The I And the society And then the I And the me That's where it is Social psychological
0: Got it Okay yeah. And and I guess um, We talk about the things that you have learned, uh, from sociology. And maybe a, a good question would be, uh, what have you learned back then in sociology that is still continually used in the different facets of your life, you know, being a entrepreneur, leader, mom, wife, and grandma? Are there any lessons?
1: There are many facets, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> I learned about the importance of self-agency. The, 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 the I and the me tension within us um, is it's, it's a huge debate. Do I do this because this is what society tells me to, what parents say I should or what my husband says so? Or do I say this is what Claire wants? So every day is that continual debate between the between society and me. So it's something that you need to be cognizant of, that to know that very often how we are, what we believe in, how we do things, it's very often the other voice. It may not be Claire's voice. So then when does a Claire stand up? So And it's Claire that's going to walk the journey. Yeah? So that self-agency is something that I learned early. Nobody walked the journey for you. You have to walk it but you have to walk it the way you want to, but you then have to define it constantly and continually in competition with the other. So that is basic sociology.
0: So the other, you mean? So, uh, so, uh, the
1: other could be big society, what the government says, right? what community says, what the law says, so what parents say. there's
0: a tension between uh, the, other the other and the self yes. and trying to identify... Um.
1: Align, identif- al- First you want to align, you go with. Yeah. Or you want to protest and find your own. You want to redefine and say the society says we all should get married. No, I'd rather not get married. I want to be single. And the society that you should go for engineering and science, no. I'd rather be a poet because that's really what I want. So there's always the other and the me. That is in competition. So,
0: by knowing that, um, how has that shaped your understanding of the
1: world and hence the decision that you make? So, in a way, I begin to appreciate what I am—my success or my failure or the choices I make—are not entirely my own. Alone, it is. It is contextualized and perhaps circumscribed and perhaps restrained by many other factors, by the other, by the, the boundaries of the context, by the rules of, of the game. So in a way, it curbs a little of the individualism and the freedom. Yes. But that's the me in society that I recognize. And, and that's one of the most humbling experiences, when I went to parliament to know that Claire's voice and Claire's view is only one view. There are many other views that we need to also respect. And that's when you begin to be, to be mature and realize that there are many other views that are just as important to respect. That's humbling because it then makes me less contest, uh, what do you call that? Less uh, competitive and, yeah. and, and less, uh, and more accepting and more respectful of differences, and more able to then focus on arriving at a common ground. It takes away the obstinacy. It takes away the dogmatism. Also, that, that ideological slant in anything you say and do.
0: So, would you say that it... Hmm.
1: It humanises me. It also makes me appreciate the importance of community, or collective... It takes away that the individualism, yes, but it is a managed individualism.
0: So, by knowing that, um, uh, would you say you're more calm? How has that, you know, shaped?
1: No, sociology doesn't make you calm. Certainly not. Sociology opens you up to many layers of meaning about anything. It is not so black and white It's so simple like mathematics, physics, and science. Sociology. Th- throws you into layers of meaning, 360 degrees of viewpoints, differentiation, and diversity. Mm-hmm. In fact, it is it can throw you off to feeling that, wow, what is the truth and what is reality? Mm-hmm. you probably even feel that there is no final say in anything. But that's also where the excitement is. So it is an open field of creative imagination, while your empirical evidences help to substantiate that one belief you might come to. Uh, But there are many beliefs. So what is yours and what is mine? We have to work together, we have to prove it through our empirical observations, and then we formulate a tentative, more or less, nearer-to-the-truth understanding but it's still only nearer to the truth.
0: And actually, uh, actually, I think that um, because one of my questions was about uh, self-awareness, and I think just by putting yourself out there and uh, and fighting against all these different meanings of different viewpoints, mm-hmm. you start to become more self-aware. Do you think so?
1: You become a lot more other-aware.
0: Other-aware.
1: Yeah, uh, about other people. Then you also become a, a clearer about your relationship with the other. And therefore, it's up to you, therefore, big choices. Because ultimately, it's clear, becomes aware of what the other people's viewpoints are and differences are. I eliminate, or I align, or I collaborate, or I compete.
0: Right. It it gives
1: you the... The self-agency. It allows me then to know um, the purpose of my behaviour, and my next step.
0: I can see how that is um, very empowering. Very. Yeah.
1: Very. Uh. That's why, at my age, I could tell you who will not be my friends, oh. <laughs> and I will not care to spend time with, and I'll be able to differentiate people who have no, um, uh, who will not be in my inner circles. Yes. So I have a village, right? I have a class village, tribe. my tribe. Yes. And in my tribe, of course, the core is my family. Yeah, and I'm Zhang Lao, okay. the elder. Yeah, So I will have the circles of the village of people I include as friends. They are good people. They are people who are like-minded like me with the values like mine. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we can do things together, play together, work together, create value together. There will be other people outside my friends. I can say hello. And if they need my food, I'll cook for them. But may not be in my circle. And there'll be other people are put in the forest.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, um, uh, actually, I'm keen to, 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 I'm curious to ask, uh, about, um, the, um, characteristics of the, I mean, if you, willing to share the the tribe that you're building because um i think um to one of the sayings that uh goes beyond is you you are the average of five people you surround yourself with that's something that i really think uh is a good um indicator you know if you want to improve yourself just find find some people they're uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. and surround yourself with that, that kind of people um so in that sense, you know, uh, with um, uh, sixty years of experience setting rules and boundaries and creating frameworks, what is the evolution right now of the tribe? And
1: the first tribe is the eight persons in my immediate family. My two older children uh, are married, and I have a grandson by my son who's thirty-five. Uh, so this is the immediate. A concern. So, you know, we, we, we have to do things to keep together. We have family, we set up a family council where we meet and talk and discuss about future plans. Okay. Uh, it, we actually take minutes with agenda and minutes because the children have to be, in a way, organized. And people think that you only do work in the office. Family work is serious work too. It's professionalizing. The understanding of the how the family works, what are our duties and our roles. So that's the family council.
0: Uh, I uh, just inject. Uh, what's the frequency of the? Three times a year. Three times a
1: year. Okay. Yeah, we just had one. In fact, over the weekend. And it's a one-hour session. Two. Two hours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So it be agenda and minutes,
0: and then after we circulate the notes. Can I can I dive in a little bit? Like, what are the the topics? If you want, want to set up like. Yeah.
1: It could be. It could be uh, investments. Mm-hmm. It could be a business directions. It'd be a new business development. It could be family vacations Mm -hmm. and any other matters. I like, I like it. (laughs) Yeah. So the family council is, is really very important. So that is one. Then I have a clan council. My Chiang clan and the whole clan. And now we have got two more in-laws, the Te and the Debaye. So I will do a family day that includes everybody. So they'll come here, we will eat, swim, read, play tennis, play billiard, play mahjong. So it's his family day. And we do that about uh, four times, four to five times a year.
0: And does this have agendas and, and minutes?
1: Excuse me, eat, play tennis, mahjong, you know, fun and swim. Okay. It's bonding.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. But every year, once a year, I take my entire clan for holiday. So we set that week in November, after all the exams, a time, a venue, and then we say you come. Uh if you can come two days, good. If you can come to five days, wonderful. But that's again the clan bonding time. And to do this is having set up a fund. My parents has left us uh, uh something and we had we have set up a fund that sort of pay for the holidays for the clan. So all this needs planning. And it needs commitment. And the purpose? Keeping up the village. So there's the immediate, that is the clan. Then my friendship circles, I have a few. I have a few circle of friends with different interest groups. They are quite different. And therefore I enjoy each of these circles. So I go in and out of it. So, I, I do things like organizing lunches last night, like organizing a reception to keep up the interest. So, I will help, I will try to see where the talents are and see whether I could connect the dots I string up a group of women or men and women or men to do things that I feel are purposeful and meaningful.
0: How. Okay, so on that note of friendship, so I mean, so those are not immediate uh, relative and relationship that you're born into. Who, what are the frameworks or what are the no's and yes, um that you allow someone in or out? You know, is there a general rule? I can say personally for myself, if someone would complain or grumble, he's gone, like in forest in, in your context. Um, but at the same time, if someone who have the I guess, the self-agency to, to change, i am mean, like, yeah, let's test it out, you know, I'll give you a few things, you know, take it, run with it, and let me know how, let me know how it is, what's the result of, of that?
1: People are never so clearly um, one or the other, you know? I, I think the bottom line is that I must like the person. <laughs> it's simply yeah. affection, that I like her, even though she might be grumbling, and maybe she might be, A bit difficult. And many people may not like her or him. Um, but there is something that hit between us. So it must be something that somebody that I like and somebody that I, I respect for something that he or that she does. Yeah. It could be a particular skill. It could be a special sharing that created that bond. So it's very different. It's not so clear a type that, you know, only those who have self-agency that I'll take you in. No, they become too instrumental. Yeah. I have, I have, I have people who, who are not competent, but are great artists. And I have homemakers who, who are really do not know what I, I, we are doing and don't really care, but make very good cakes. <laughs> and I, it's a good person. So I must like the person yeah. too must be a good person.
0: No, I think that's a really... Those are the two
1: bottom line I have. Uh,
0: yeah, and, and, and I think that instead of like putting too many uh, uh, rules up, and that's actually a very clear and easy frame of reference.
1: It's inclusive. Yeah. It's yeah. inclusive. It's inclusive, but it really depends on my affection for the person mm-hmm. and um, a res- also the respect that it, he or she is a good person. That's my fundamental criteria, a yeah. good person.
0: Um, um, moving a little bit um, on uh, the note of self agency, uh, I'm sure you have met a lot of people you know who uh, uh, always grumble and complain, um, and then have this like lost sense of powerlessness to their life. Uh, um, so, what is what are the most effective practice questions uh, or advice? You, you have to impart the mindset of self agency and bear in mind this might be a close relative, so you have no choice um, but to hang out with them so how would you uh, uh, or are there any ways that can effectively um, impart them the mindset
1: i don 't think you can impart a mindset yeah. uh, when someone is feeling in powerless they are not hearing or listening to you they can't they do not have that calmness to hear what you say or to listen to what you say so you can't impart so if you're in a helping situation of someone who is powerless and you are there uh, the best gift you give and the probably empowering um, outcome is simply to listen Simply to listen to the person. Because when she is able to speak out and take the monsters inside her or him out, that itself is empowering. Because she's beginning to see what is hurting her out there. And it becomes the other that she could stare at. And they started to see by you talking to her or she talking about, she suddenly realizes that she's not so serious. Actually, it may not be so bad. So letting that person speak is the most important behaviour.
0: Yeah, um, on that note of listening and speaking, um, are there any... What are the most common mistakes when people you know, uh, uh, practice listening?
1: People hear, but they don't listen. Um, what is the difference? people's? Because it's just their words. You listening to the in between lines. You listen to the pain, the meaning behind the words articulated. You um, you apply your mind, your observation, your heart when you listen. That's why the Chinese ideogram for listening is 听. kai is written with 耳朵, the ear, and then the 一很一撇, the mind. 一个母子, 一个四字, use the eye, and a line in the center, a full stomach. You have to be comfortable. An angry person doesn't listen. Hungry person doesn't listen. And then at the bottom of that is the heart. And if you apply your ear, your listening, your mind, your eye, the looking at the body language of the person, and then you, you use your heart to listen, the whole listening will, be, will have clarity like jade. So, "ting" is a beautiful word that actually composed by all the skill sets in listening. And you listen with all the FSS. So you can't be listening through Skype, email, SMS, etc. It has to be face-to-face so that I can see you, observe your body language. I am I am very happy, but you can tell the person is not. Uh, are you fine? Silence. You therefore know the person not. But you can't see that through a phone call. And then... With your heart is that you empathize. You don't sympathize. You empathize. You don't that person in her situation. So I will do a s- summary. That's where my sociology comes again. Life stage where she is at. What's the situation? What are the immediate factors? What are her long pain, her short immediate pain? I have to do the summary right, and I, all this she doesn't need to say it, but watching her I'm listening to what she said I have all this background understanding that will impact on our exchange
0: Um, and say for example she's uh, you're asking questions and she's telling she's talking about the monsters to to bring out the monster paint a picture of the monster um um are there um, anything um, that someone could use? I mean, if people are listening um, to better help the person, you know, be it questions. Yeah.
1: When people are immersed in their own pain or situation, they actually don't have the lens to see so broadly. They only see that pain and they only hate that person. They don't see around them, the opportunities or the resources or the happiness. So you need to paint the picture so that she will broaden her lens to then raise the horizon to see it better. See it at a higher point, see it broader. And then she started to realise, yeah, I forgot. Or, oh yeah, that perhaps. She begins to see alternative and therefore not be immersed in just that point of pain. So that's important counselling work to do, is to listen, then paint and picture, um, which I feel is based on what she tells you, so that she, at that moment, is able to uh, envision resources and hope. Um, It's so important, the hope and optimism.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and uh, to get in, maybe, maybe you could give an example of how you paint that picture. Um, say, I uh, mean, we'll just take an, an example, like I, I really hate someone, right? I'm just going to say Donald Trump, but, um, uh, but not, not, not true, but I'm just, but this is any hypothetical person. Um, and they have expressed that for you. How can you, what, what, what would you say to paint that broader picture?
1: You hate the person someone who tells you that they, they hate somebody, yeah, something. Um, I I will probably find out what is the hate about. Is it hating the person's character or hating what the person does for her, to her? Or, or is it jealousy or is it envy or is it uh, unreasonable? I will probably surround that emotion of hate as to what she is feeling. Then to isolate it from, what causes it and then to ask and give a perspective of when she explains the anecdote that leads to that hate whether i could interpret that anecdote differently Mm -hmm. so that she doesn't see it as that person injuring her that she may have not uh, gotten the right perspective it could be a misunderstanding it could be unreasonable or it, that would be another way of seeing it. The other way, another way, an alternative way, always are very powerful to broaden the lens, and that always impact on that emotion. Haha, maybe you're right, you know, or maybe I was excessive, maybe I, I was too sensitive, um, maybe I was actually jealous of of something, you know. They they will come to a certain reckoning by you interjecting with an al- al- alternative explanation. Mm.
0: So you, um, actually just, uh, uh, so you basically take that, uh, person, um, or the thing that they hate and find out, uh, try to find out the root cause of it, uh, try to isolate it, uh, and then, uh, um, maybe while she was explaining it, um,
1: um. You, you, know, you, you frame another, another possible explanation. Yes, yes. But you have to spend a large chunk of time just listening to her talking about the pain, because that itself is fifty percent of the job done. She has taken it out of herself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then your next fifty percent of work is easier. Yeah. Then she will be open enough to receive any new inputs from you. Mm. So you have to very very carefully calibrate that. It is it is it is not uh, that what she's feeling. You can't tell that what she's feeling is not not reasonable either, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh. No, oh, that, that's fantastic. That's, 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 that's great, yeah.
1: Giving time to people to talk is really a gift in this world that people do not do a lot of. Because very quickly we interject, we intervene, we instruct, we tell people what to do. I do that. And very often I have to hold myself and say, that's not the right way. It is just be there, using your eye contact, using your touch, be there and listen. And the person may come around and say that, actually, it's no big deal. Lah. And then you say, yeah, you know, when you were saying that, you know, it could very well be, then you give an alternative picture then, at the end of it. Have
0: you found any good ways to sort of like, once they have realised the realisation of you, you know, showing a different, oh, oh, okay, how would you nicely wrap out that, that little new piece of perspective and leave them with, I mean, is there any...
1: I always say that, you know, give it a chance. Give yourself a chance. Because no one can make you feel inferior or bad or angry if you do not allow them. So they suddenly realize, yeah, why am I so upset about this? I just eliminate or ignore her or him. Or I take a new viewpoint and try to accept him or her. Or um, forget it. In, how in the end, it's self-agency again, right?
0: Ah, yes, yes. And how do you usually end that conversation?
1: Give yourself a chance, give it some time, and we'll talk again.
0: So it's like, leave it open-ended?
1: Always. Because you, you have just gone through a process, and she's just come out of a pain. She's shared in confidence what caused her pain. You have provided a new picture. It doesn't mean she accepts it. She may. She may not. She needs to digest it. Leave it at the point where there's a closure of that we agreed that we could give it time. And then you say, you know, we can talk about it again in two months. You may feel differently. And then when you next see her, how did it go? She might come to you. I dropped her. I dropped him. Oh, well, I forget it. That's all, you know, different way. Time is the best coach.
0: Um, no, I, 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 I dive in a little bit more into that topic because, uh, I was just talking, uh, speaking to, uh, uh, close, actually a couple that I, uh, planned their wedding for. I used to be a wedding planner, still am. Um, and, and, and I was just having, they're just having this wonderful, uh, conversation, um, in regards of, you know, uh, asking questions instead of telling, like what you mentioned. Um, and then there come the realization, uh, and then, so I was probing a lot about like, how would you, you know, when you come to a realization, how, what would you feel would be the best thing to do? Is it words of comfort after you came to the realization of the viewpoint? Or, and, and so we came up with this, which is, um, to move him or her away from that topic to, uh, another person. So the question is, oh, so who, who else do you think have this share the same point of view? Or, or, you know, basically trying to take, it's not your fault, and let's let's look at the same topic again, but from another viewpoint, and sort of like re-emphasizing, and sort of relearning, and uh, sort of recapturing the points that we talked about in those questions before.
1: All this will not happen at the first contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, it's the intangible that is actually more powerful. Mm. The the being there to listen, um, giving support by hugging, the human touch... Um, those are actually more important. And those are actually more empowering than all the words and the, the, the alternative picture and, and and words at this point of pain really do not matter. Got it. In fact, they aggravate.
0: Um, okay. Uh, so moving back a little bit up to the topic of self-agency, self-urgency, um... Are there any things that you 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 show or tell or or, or or you know present to them to sort of change their mind on on you know taking a backseat on life versus taking an active role?
1: So in this recent conference I did in the, a women's summit in uh, Forbes organized by Forbes in Vietnam, I found myself listening to the speakers when they were talking about. Um, male prejudices, the uh, glass ceiling, uh, all that. Uh, 30 years ago, we talked about it. 30 years later, we still be talking about it. I found myself saying, hey, gentlemen and ladies, get over it. And I said it again last night. Uh, I suppose when you come to my age, you, you're going to realize that a lot of things are not going to change or they're going to change very slowly. Do we continue to let all these barriers and challenges impact us, what we want to do in life, or do we just get over them by saying that they are there, so what? Move on. Then the next question is, what do you move on? on? I will move on on appreciating what I have and want to do and see how I can mobilize my resources to get things done. That self-agency comes back again, because after all, your universe and your village is a tiny little one con- compared to the whole world that which you try to save. I can't change the laws. I can't change governments. And why should I? But I can change myself to ways that I can better the world in. I can change the way I, I organize in my company. I can change the way I relate to my husband, I can change the way I parent my children so that I can allow this to be the vision of the society I want, I define it's within your control so get over all these barriers, because there are plenty if you allow all these barriers and challenges around you impact on you, you'll never walk out of the house and you'll have terrible mental health so get over it and then, what do you do next? Just do it. Do what you like, do the best of what you want to do, and maximize the resources around you, and there are plenty that help you. There are sisters, brothers, cousins, friends, bosses who are there to help you. Then you have to learn the way to navigate to get this help by being yourself, a responsible, proactive person. And again, it comes back to self-agency.
0: I love it. Um on the note actually maybe let's actually let's do that. Um on the note of mentors and mentees, yeah. Um I think you have uh, uh, received uh, mentorship from a lot of advice a lot of people and you have given out a lot too. What are some characteristics of the best mentees that you have noticed?
1: Mentees. Yes. Um they don't give up on me in finding the time to see me. There are mentors whom I've lost or then I uh, do not relate to because you make appointments they don't turn up or they make appointments very without giving you enough notice, so we never got to meet. So making the point, making the effort and having the commitment to meet your mentor is the first principle.
0: Yeah, foundational. And and those who stand out, um what what characteristic do they have that makes them stand out?
1: Uh, I, I get irritated sometimes by their badgering, but I also respect it because they really want to see me. And then they want to see me, it's, they have a purpose, and I do not mind that. I like their purpose and focus in getting to what they want. And I think it, if it aligns with what my interest is, and I think what they want, it's good, I will be there. If it is entirely something that I feel is selfish, not sort of something that I like, then I will not be there. Right? So I think that the, the mentee mentor relationship is, is a tenuous one, you know? But it could develop to become uh, uh, one with characterized by deep affection and respect. So it's very important that you give time and you give respect for what each other is doing. And then you also discover possibly the alignment, so that we have the multiply effect when we are together. So that uh, it is mental, but then we have a purpose and then we we enjoy each other's company and we mutually learn and reinforce whether it is in terms of a qualitative nature or something that is purposeful. It's all possible.
0: I'm taking a second step here. Um this question uh I, this new question actually that I really enjoy. Who has been your darkest teacher?
1: Darkest teacher in term meaning? I mean you can take it however you want. Darkest doesn't sound very positive. I th- um
0: so it's both a positive and a negative. Um um I think a teacher is 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 positive. And then, um, being dark, but also seeing the quiver of light, uh, that, uh, in that, um, this is a random question I'm throwing out, but we can skip it.
1: No? I, I like, I, I, I try to understand. Okay, the okay, darkest yeah. Means
0: um, best. So, darkest is actually a negative connotation, uh, 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 to it. Um, and, and the, the purpose behind that question is more so to, to show others or, or create an avenue to speak about um, maybe a person they didn't enjoy that much with, but you still actually get to learn. And, and, and maybe other people who are listening can see that light, even uh, with uh, people they don't enjoy, but still can learn from them.
1: You know, I, have a, I think there's one ability of myself that I really respect and appreciate, and that's my ability to say no to people I don't like. So I find that during my childhood and as I was growing up And among my friendship circles, even in courting days I don't get to relationships with people Whether it's in a in teaching career or whether it's you know, in a working environment I don't get there I don't get there to let them impact on the way I feel And if I any time feel uncomfortable or felt slighted or felt um, neglected, um, I will take stock and I will will be away. I do not fight it. I do not get in there to be influenced Mm. because the world is so large. The friendship circles are out there. Why do I want to work so hard? with someone who is negative or even though he, he might be, she be brilliant. But when if she is brilliant yet negative, I'm not going to appreciate that brilliance because the emotional part of me would have been the barrier for me absorbing and embracing that conviction. It, it's going to be a very hard and tough process. Why do I do that? So elimination is the first tool in psychology on restoring mental health. So I'm telling young people today that it's basic mathematics you need to learn in life. 家, jian, chen Chu, add, subtract, divide, and multiply. You add value in your own life and with people you, you like. You add value or you create value. So you always multiply. You can have more children, you add. You can have more money, you create. You add value. Eliminate. You eliminate unnecessary activities that are not useful, purposeful, and meaningful. You divide, means you delegate. You create divisions of labour, whether it's yourself as boss with your colleagues or whether it's at home, household, shared household tasks or anything. You don't do it yourself. You divide your your success goals into bits of possibility, working with different people. And you work clever, multiply, a multiply, in fact. I could be watching, listening to a movie, a series is running on, I could be packing my room, or I could be reading and doing some very inconsequential sort of emails or reply and, and still listening to a movie, multitasking. So, multiply effect. Or you do something where you connect the dots that will impact on many organisations and many networks. So, one purpose, one collective effort allows the flourishing of many impact. That is multiply effect. I mean,
0: I would even add on to that a little bit for anyone who's hearing, is that subtraction, more than often, is the lowest hanging fruits. And it's easier to subtract. So many people will be like, how do you find, how do you uh, increase this network of friends uh, who make you con- uncomfortable, right? I would say, don't start with that. Start with subtraction, subtracting the bad friends that's taking energy away from you. Yeah, it's probably the first step you should take in terms of this jia jian chen chu, right?
1: But, but, but contrary, it is actually the most difficult. And it is least done among many people. Why? Because there are friends who have been you for some time, you do not know that they actually are hurting you or they're actually negative influence. You may not know it because you like the person or you think that person is great, but that person may really not be the sincere friend. Or that person may develop and become different in the way they think and do things. They're actually taking away your effort. So you really should say Goodbye. Not say forever, but to put her, him at bay so that you can come out and be yourself. Mm-hmm. It could very well be your father, mother, brothers, boyfriend, husband, and good friends, you know? Because they are so close to you and what they say is so important to you, but they, what they do can also be restraining the possibility of you blossoming in that direction. Like if my brother hasn't said no, to me on nursing, I maybe could be the best Florence Nightingale. But all that I have now would have been so different, right? So it's a moot question too. But every time a door closes, another door opens. And why it opens? Because you opened it. If someone opens it, you walk through it. Too often, we don't eliminate, and then when we eliminate, we get depressed because we don't go and find another door. And then we the door is open, we may not walk through it because we're too lazy or we're too scared. So we don't seize the opportunity. So many reasons for, for for journeys, you know?
0: And I think you brought up a very important point too. Uh, I think I've gone through my journey of elimination uh, just by accident because I went traveling, backpacking for an entire year. So all my friends, I, I'm literally starting anew when I came back. Um, so I guess maybe uh, how would you uh recommend one for people who are listening and want to eliminate some uh, uh bad uh relationships. Um is there any tactful way to go about doing it or or you know something that doesn't cost them that much uh, uh stress someone
1: who you know that are in a bad relationship.
0: No so so you want to eliminate uh some bad relationships uh, oh. in your life. Uh are there any tactful ways to go about um uh You're uh, talking
1: about d- a boy girl relationship?
0: Um it could be any I mean is there a difference? I mean
1: I would just walk away. I would just walk away. People will know. If you ask me for lunch 10 times, and I say no, you've got the message, no? Or a uh, uh, tactful way, um, you, could, you could continue to talk on the phone rather than meet. You could... Um, People are intuitive animals. They sense your wanting to meet for what purpose. They will sense your friendship or your boundary that you are setting. If they are not intuitive, then they're not actually applying their sensibilities. Unlikely. People sense it. So you don't need to work that hard, you know. So on one hand, you're right that it is easy to eliminate. But cognitively, it is sometimes hard for people to eliminate what hurts them. You know, like people who are in domestic violence, you would think that they should just walk away and make a police report. Right, right. They don't. Because there is still the love, that that reliance, that, that dependency, and children involved, right? So you, you can't eliminate so quickly. You, you hate this boss. You can't just eliminate because you have the security factor involved. You can't just walk away from, from your bacon because you need to pay for the mortgage yeah. the next month you can't eliminate sisters or f- who are friends or real sisters because they have been with you for the last two decades so it takes a courage to step out of comfort zone or what you are habituated to to say no and start anew but to be able to do that is really giving you a new lease of life and the opportunities are boundless there so that's where Assistance needs to come in whether it 's from friends or from counselors to help you make that change i
0: really uh, I, I really like that point because it really just shows that uh, is 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 hard, and sometimes it's important. Uh, it's not very easy to just say no like right away. But maybe the first step is being aware of that that relationship is whether it's taking energy and not all giving energy away f- from you. Yeah. Then slowly creating that boundary or that wall and building maybe alternative routes or finding a bacon. Then having that um, you know, um, uh, courage. Uh, maybe then it's not current. Maybe then it's already you have all the tools you need to to say to to move on. You know.
1: So there's one dictum in Chinese that's actually very important. It's really like my now my motto: oh, okay. You know yourself means you know all your strength weaknesses of you know. You know yourself. You know your limitations. You know where you're good at, where you're not good at. Recognize it. We are not perfect. You know yourself. You know p is the other whether it should be a battle or your opponent whether it is your boss or whether even your husband or whoever the other in the interchange you know yourself you know the person in that context you are able to work it whether it is the purpose the agenda the process the approach you win all the battles
0: Um. so moving back a little bit uh it's just like conversational parkour. Um, so I, when I was doing my research, actually, um, so I, I noticed that, um, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, both you and um, KP, your other half, uh, strike me as a wanderlust and a romantic at heart. Um, you spend a big part of time backpacking <laughs> extensively and frugally, um, staying at $1 hotels, you know, and coughing your night uh, away. <laughs> And, and even when you're in Hong Kong doing your graduate studies, you, know, you, you have to um, stay uh, not in the Kowloon, not in the Hong Kong island because you're trying to save money. Um, we could afford
1: anywhere else, not save money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, is, is there a, um, a story that encapsulates your earliest um, travelling experience?
1: Um, we are both trained in um, development economics and sociology. Me, sociology, him, economics, and I was very um, uh, motivated by my my teacher, who gave us the first question: What are we developing for? What is modernization about? What is the final impact? To create value in terms of dollar terms, or to create value in community wellness? That brief, what I learned in 21 years old or 18 years old, and after in my postgraduate when I do my masters in Hong Kong, or what I'm doing now, or even just a decade ago when I'm in Parliament, the questions that I raised, it's still on the same brief. So I have not changed in my investigative query. So that is the sociological imagination. Be so now I ask the questions in 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 the Shireen Foster program that I'm managing in. A, uh, SMU, I ask, how has the city of Singapore developed? The city plan that you see, how has it has it delivered its promise to deliver to the Singapore people quality living? And I'll say yes, and I can see some expects no. Then how can we improve? So it's when you question. It starts a conversation and debate, and then you start to look for solutions. So KP and I love conversations like that. We always ask, "What if?" and then, and then we can all not only just see about Singapore. So we love to see what is Malaysia doing, what is Indonesia, what is Thailand doing. So we travel. And we love cultures. We love heritage. We love nice met
0: first, and then uh, travel, travel together. Yes. Ah. Okay. So your are traveling. One, the last starts together, uh, or have you both uh, separate our, our travelers already?
1: We are travelers already. Yeah. As I said, I was. But well, for my travel was like you know between Malaysia and Singapore. Yeah. It was a big thing to go to Cameron Highlands, yeah. you know, and all that. I I uh, travel is very much part of our spirit. For KP, because he was born in Thailand, grew up in, uh, uh, um, he went, he, he came back to Singapore only about 18 to do the army. Yeah. But he was really like traveling around, studying in the States, went to Taiwan and grew up in Thailand. So in a sense, we are travelers. So when we were together, we both love history, culture, heritage and development debate. Therefore, we need to travel. To understand. And he was a journalist. I didn't marry a businessman. I married a journalist. He married a sociologist. So we are both workers of the mind rather than of business. So we are traveling around for him when he was writing stories. And then in that travel of doing his work, we begin to feel the need for closer understanding to what this development is all about. And that is the first, um, I think that that's what seals a romance.
0: Um, actually, so I really want to ask you about traveling, um, uh, because, you know, during the 1980s, you came back to Singapore and, um, you know, uh, what are some of the events that happened in those years that made you sort of like, um, sacrifice a little bit of that wanderlust, um, the sense of time for your, your, both of you guys and for yourself and coming back to take on a more, um, a leadership roles in, in pushing for the cause uh, that you want, was just
1: I didn't sacrifice any wanderlust. I have traveled even more uh, after I got married, uh, because our job is about traveling. So in a way, in that, that twelve words in Chinese that describe my travel and wanderlust, and work and family: 游山玩水，吃喝玩乐. <laughs> meaning my job is hunting for the next binary that's in business development in China. And KP and I traveled a lot together to understand the hospitality sector. So we traveled to Hawaii. we traveled to wherever there are beautiful destinations to learn. So when we started to develop hotels, we traveled. And now I'm doing business development in China. I travel. I travel with the children, whether it's one or it's two or all three together. We travel every year. So I have never stopped my wanderlust. I will do it. I will continue to do it while my legs are able to travel because I think that is life education. It's the biggest life coach opportunity.
0: Moving a little bit to, um, uh, marriage, right? Um, this was also about this, the time you had your, uh, first son, uh, Ren uh, a question that, you know, a lot of uh, listeners is fascinated by. So how do you juggle, uh, your time raising a son and then, you know, uh, taking on a leadership role in many different causes and on top of that, then that's, yeah. that's work?
1: So I found myself telling women you can have it all, but at a longer span of time. For men, it's a very linear engagement. You study, you get a degree, and you work, and you become a husband, and you become a father. It's a linear development, seamless. For women, it's not like that. It's zigzagging. So for Renhua, my first son, I took a decision, not working at all. For two years, we have no help. We learn everything from pregnancy, to gestation, to breastfeeding, to cooking, to mending the house, to raising a child. I attended Montessori schools. So I did my own life education about family work. There's no school that teaches us that. It's yourself taking a decision that you want to learn this seriously. And I, I really did that. And so I feel that I'm a very competent uh, um, mother to talk about breastfeeding. I breastfed all my three children. I talk about shared household uh, duties between husband and wife. We negotiate, we learn to, to work out ledgers of duties between each other. So this is between husband and wife, because we both create the family. We both need, therefore, to share in that. Uh, in those duties, yeah, um, and and raising Xiaohua is there for both KP and my job. What and wonderful, I have the clan, I have my brothers. I'm still my mother then, and so when we travel, sometimes we we have Xiaohua parked with my elder brother, and he remembered those days when he was relating to papa and to uncle, and it's a different kind of socialization experiences. It's not at all bad. There's still no need for women and men, mother and father to feel that they have to be 24 hours with the child. As long as you have provided the care environment and given certain um, uh, uh, rules to the child and to the clan that's helping you, you'll uh, be fine. So I've gone through a full-time motherhood with Ren Hwa. My second child, Yong, my daughter came. I went into part-time work and when the third one came at a very late stage and I was already 42 I was already full into binary and you I was really um a full-time employee or worker or a co-founder or what you call it and like your pack and you call it you know? uh I was fully in, in, in the throes of work and that doesn't um uh, uh, affect me wanting it all but then it is really a lot about time management household management and people management, and the people includes husband and the children, all of us have to be doing our part in contributing to the household happiness. It is not class job alone.
0: Um, I want to dive in a little bit into um, um, the two years. Did you know it was a two years when you, when you set up for it, or it was an indefinite period? or? For the first two years. Yeah, correct. Did you know it was two years when you started the two years?
1: No, no. But when I was doing that, I was still doing projects. Huh? It doesn't mean I don't work at all. Oh, okay. Okay. I just do a, a little projects like with oral history. I did the oral history project. Um, for example, it's, it's not a huge lot of money, but it's keeping me engaged. But I was attending Montessori workshops to learn about the uh, Montessori principles. So I am still, in that sense, at work while at in the family. There's a distinction here that we need to make. A woman's work is quite is quite, quite diverse. It is self work, it's family work, it's children's work, it's work work. Right? I don't know whether a man sees it that way, but I think I'm seeing a generation of men beginning to appreciate it in. In, in a diverse way as well, which is therefore good. But in my epoch, I just happened to have a husband whom I trained well to adopt these bits and to therefore create these bits, the self bits, family bits, community service bits, and the public service bits. We all have our bits to compose what we call our, our lives. Yeah? It is all important to us. So it is, it is not whether it is one year or two year that we contribute to house of a public service or, 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 we feel that we are sacrificing. No. It all happens all at what? At the same time. And we do not put them away and we do not chronologize them. They are all important values to our sense of wellness. We want to, at the same time, take care of child, at the same time working, at the same time contributing to the community and doing things that we like as a family. So I think we can have it all if we have the vision of what we want, then we allocate the time to get there and we eliminate all the unnecessary activities or we learn to work smarter so that we create the time and value that help us have it all. You
0: see, I mean, I mean, from my perspective, it, it seems like the two years was a lot about learning, was a lot about, you know, um, defining what you want, defining the objective, and then hence, you know, at, at the third one, at the second and third one, you can take, you learn uh, smarter ways of working with... with. It, does it... it does it, No, is it that no. Way?
1: It, it, the two years was simply learning about mothering, okay. about, about keeping, of taking care of house. I just got back yeah. from Hong Kong after mm-hmm. four years. We didn't even have a house... We, we rented a flat, uh, which is, and we have no help. So it's this learning about setting up home, um, learning about a pregnancy, then after learning about breastfeeding, about cooking and about preparing for the baby and, 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 and raising the child. So it's an invaluable two years because it sets the foundation for me about being a mother and being a wife. And that certainly directs my effort and contribution to the second child and by the time the third one came it was like you know done, it. done it all <laughs> I know what I'm doing I'm a bit I'm more at less. it's okay yeah. if he sort of like you know uh, throw up the milk no big deal and <laughs> if his, his first fall it's okay just you know get, put some cream on yeah. mm, and not so not so easily sort of uh, faz out you know and it was wonderful by the third child you really enjoy it. and now with a grandchild uh-huh. even better not my problem. I just have the child to enjoy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, um, um a topic that kind of come up a lot is the balance between also oh, this is raising a kid, right? Um disciplining um and encouraging creativity. Um Are there any rules or boundaries that you have set uh, an example uh, for people to navigate between those two?
1: The creative creative process is a messy one. So you have to allow your one-year-old child to learn how to eat on her own or on his own. But it will mean the whole kitchen floor or the dining floor will be messy. Because food will be thrown all over. I, the, my three children did that. My grandchild is doing that. But they learn. They learn to master the spoon, the fork. They learn to sit down and eat. Discipline. They learn a lot. The texture of food by touching it, squashing it, and squeezing it, and throwing it. And everyone's looking at you. What a terrible mother to allow your child to do that. And then you say that there's a process. And it gets better with time. So the creative process is messy. My youngest son, who loves to draw, paints this entire corridor floor, paints on his walls. I have to, I think I've done seven coats of paint in his room. He will draw with colour pencils what he likes. He draws on books and, 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 and now, you know, he's a poet. Yeah. Um, So the creative process is messy. So adults have to be tolerant and allow this. Um, And sometimes uh, it's hard. Uh, They want to um, um, be creative about their hair. They want to tattoo. They want to cut. They want to color. They want to wear earrings. They want to wear funky things. They want to travel in a different way. They want to do skydive. They want to do bungee. All the experiences they want to do to be that creative individualism. So how can I set boundaries as a mother? I watch with trepidation. I pray every night when I don't hear from them, I hope that they are well. So parents really have to tuck the pain and that worry tight in their hearts and watch with clenched fists and to see them do that bungee jump under my nose. And let
0: that be. And where is the clear line? I mean, is or is there? You know, um, let's take for example of drawing on walls. Um, um, is the clear line at the seventh coat of paint, or the twelfth coat of paint, or it will never? You know, or let's not even paint it at all, and let's just keep drawing. Um, um, I think, yeah. Do you have any? on that?
1: There's always a tug uh, where the limits can be. Um, Those are things when they're growing up, you can still sort of manage it. But, you know, it's just a wall. Seven coats of pain, 15th coat is no problem for me. But what they do outside of my orbit of supervision, I don't know about is what I worry but they're overseas schooling and whatever they do there, I do not know. I therefore only hope the values, instructions and rules that they've grown up in will hold and that they know the boundaries. It will never be me ever able to supervise the application of all those boundaries because I was, I'm not there. And they are they are travelers and they are out of the house. Therefore you just hope that you've given them enough of foundational values to guide and restrict their actions. Okay. And that is I, I have to say now that my older son is thirty five, my daughter is thirty one, and turn my last one is twenty coming twenty-three. And I think they have all got the set of values and rules to guide them knowing what they should not do and where the boundaries are and where's the limit. I'm I'm confident to say that they know those rules and limits.
0: What is the process of imparting those values, rules?
1: It starts from day one when they were born. And then when they grow up, you know, the time to eat. I do not run around feeding them like parents do. If they don't eat, I just take it away. They'll get hungry and they'll eat, right? And then you continue to have the neck, pick up your things, arrange your rooms. You continue to uh, uh, impart to them the need for discipline, time to bed, time to write, study, and time to play. It is over years of upbringing and showing them that what you do as adults. And then they watch you as role models, they follow. And then they themselves know whatever effort they put in is the reward they get. Whether it is in the marks they get in school or whether it is in the in, in what parents say and do for them, they will know that and that is important for me, that they only earn, they earn, they earn the credits by the effort they put in. They need to know that. And it doesn't just come from 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 the sky. So if they don't work hard enough, they lose in the game, in the sport. If they don't study enough, they lose out in the marks and in the ranking. They should know early the effort they put in is what then they get back in return. They, they the, These three children, therefore, Really no. And that's the only one big lesson that we instill in them. So I, I monitor them closely between 14 to 16. But so that's the most active period of individualism coming out, rejection of parental supervision. I want to be, find myself and I want to discover the possibilities, right? And there's all the time when they get distracted. So I will, those four years, so important to KP and myself to watch over them. Friends they make, the, the studies, um, whether they are allocating enough time for study and sports and friendship and distractions. So we watch. We can't direct so closely. We watch. Then I have very good support for the teachers when they are not doing well and, and why. And then we work out a timetable. We allocate their management of time. So that they do not overspend time for sports and neglect the school, or that we choose the less the classes that they actually enjoy and in the discipline. And then uh, we work with teachers who who not only just look at their performance, but looking at their personality and their character development. So I in that sense I've been very fortunate. But then parents have to be involved. So I speak to teachers, I visit the schools. I work on schedules, so I help the child to grow up knowing that, that, that there are rules, and there are goals. What are your goals? Work at the set of goals. Work at the agenda. Work at a time allocation, and we get there. And there was my eldest child, Renhua. I needed to stop his extracurricular activities because it was definitely eroding. His time for studies and therefore that was declined. But the teacher worked with me on it. So parenting is not just about you parenting the child. Parenting includes you working with resources like the school teachers and his friends to try to get in, get to the goals that you have set for, for the child and the child set for himself. So I work with uh, uh uh the my children's friends. I talk to them, they are always here. We meet here, they play here, and there is that parental guidance through to that collective. Yeah. That helps. That helps. So that I know the the, the friends he goes around with.
0: And I think I think one point people miss out a lot is is, you know, the idea of, you know, attention uh that you uh, that you you or that you give to the to the, the kids and the I watch their journey. Yeah, doesn't only define the, you with the kids, but also you with the school, you with the relationships that they have
1: with their friends. Yes, even with their friends' parents.
0: Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, I think redefining that is illuminating uh, for for a lot of uh, parents who are listening. Um, uh, we're going to move a little bit into uh, being a. Um, wife, uh, I think people see from the outside you know, that a successful marriage is like the easiest thing on earth. <laughs> and I'm sure both of you have put in a lot of work. Um, uh, what are some of the habits and rules you have to relearn or develop um, after a marriage that you say is very helpful uh,
1: to both of you uh, for a, uh, a, a groundwork or foundation of a successful... Marriage? I think there are phases in marriages that one has to recognise. Um, uh and I always symbolises the marriage in an infinity f- symbol. It's like an eight, but it's an infinity symbol as well. So we are both individuals, two circles, but we are tied together in infinity by a thread that pulls us along. So that two circles can sometimes be flattened, can sometimes be rounder, can sometimes be a little bit oblong, but it moves along. And there's always the tension and always that fluidity of connectivity also. So that has always been something that I am aware of. We are individuals, but we are tied together. And the tied together is commitment, is marital commitment. It is A commitment means work, it means sharing, it means responsibility, duties. Um, so we tuck along and we, we move along. Uh, sometimes it's very full circle, sometimes it's flattened circles, as I said, because it deals with the dyman- dynamic changes that happens within us, around us as individuals, and around the family, because we are two person, then we have got three, with the first child, then four and five, and now we have five, and then now with the in-laws. So it is dynamically pulling along, and our attention and our service to the commitment, also therefore change dynamically with, with, with the change in numbers. And, and, and when they grow up with their own individualism, it's no longer just two circles. There are many circles that tuck on these two circles because you're dealing with three growing adults with now their in law with their spouses. What does that require? Therefore, that, that recognition that you are building a village, it's not, is the marriage is therefore contextualized also in this village. So the marriage goes through the early stage of two persons intimacy and passion to a growing family of commitment and responsibility and then to now of, um, so consolidated strength of memories and, um, experiences. 陣, I mean, 我们应用 that yong Yong, which is what you own, is a very powerful concept because it really means you have given time and commitment to the relationship, spousal, parental, in-laws. There's so much of the commitment, there's so much of the ownership in it, it's shared memory that no third party could really take it away. Because this year we are celebrating our 40th anniversary. It's a long time. It's 40 years of commitment to the marriage and the marriage in the family journey. Who can take that away? It's, it's solid. It's uh, investment. They are cherished memories. Um, they are our journeys. We have grown in the 40 years and we have Different. But there's certain values have not changed. For me, from whether I was 21 or was 18 or was 21, or whether I'm 26, or whether now I'm 65, going 66. The values have changed. the values will be the import that, that that relies on self-agency. I cannot blame my husband or my children for not doing one, two, three, four, five. I could only blame myself for whatever I felt that I had not done. That self-agency is still mine, whether I'm married or I'm not married. So that is the definition of and the importance of self-agency. My belief in the autonomy of women. So like it or not, KP has to know that he has married an independent woman. I travel on my own, I do things I like, and we negotiate the time. Whether I'm away or he's away, um, what do we do with the family? We arrange and now, with the children all not with us, we both travel, and then we meet. We the autonomy of one another is important. The uh, the the importance to the marriage, the commitment that is a shared job. So we both, every three years, we change what we read, what we like, and how we dress. We change. We 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 learn new things to and to keep alive. The relationship, that's important. Uh we we ad- we adapt to each other's new lights. Uh there are certain things we both don't do, we both don't golf. Uh he loves boats and I get seasick and I've done my duty this weekend in this rough sea in Pataya to go on a boat cruise that he loves, but I was sick. But I thought I've done my duty as a wife and I don't have to do next two years of boat ride. So, there's a lot of give and take, grow and learn together in the 40 years. We, we change. If you haven't changed for 40 years, my gosh, it's a boring marriage, yeah? But you change and you don't mind that change. Yeah, that, so from self agency to commitment to the marriage, and and learning to commit to the to the family and and raising, and and to travel and and finding common things that we both enjoy. Like now we are planning a trip where we'll be driving from uh, um, uh, Zurich to Dusseldorf because I have meetings in both places because I'm a board member in two two locations. So we were going to arrange a driving expedition. He loves to drive. I don't drive. I've crashed twice. And I think it's better for the world that I don't drive and get into accidents, you know? So, but then he loves that. So we will drive it. So we have to plan for common activities. Even though one party may not like it, you give and take. He doesn't like to go to go attend a, a concert and a Chinese opera or, or, or something. He does it because of me. So that's where the give and take. So this is an important word. The give and take in Chinese, is rung. You give way. You give and take and rung, you give way. You can't find that translation in English. Rung. In English, somebody say, give way. is yeah. the best way. You give way because if you don't give way, it's a collision. In like a driving, you're coming, a car is coming, you the give only way. Word that
0: come to mind is sacrifice, but that's even no. then that's not a good. No, word, no, actually. that is not. Yeah. That is not the word. Yeah.
1: So try to find the word rung in Chinese. It's really is to give way. It's very gracious, meaning that you don't come into a direct collision. You give way. But you cannot be the only person to give way all the time in life. He has to give way. You have to give way, but by giving way, you rose around each other and you avoid the collision. I think that's the way we have sustained 40 40 years.
0: I think also the other party uh, also kind of recognize that that you are um, giving way. Um,
1: Then the next round, he gives way. There you go. There we are. So it has to be, not be, so someone was, well, there was one time I remember someone saying, Claire actually even serves tea to her husband. And I said, why not? Because he serves me coffee the next day. It's the fact that not I doing it only, he will also do it. And um, uh, there's that, so many little things that KP does that I don't do he will do very sweet thing like you know when we travel or even sometimes at home he will make sure that my tooth my my toothbrush he will put on the ready the colgate so when i get up i could just brush my teeth it's so sweet right but i do other things i cut his hair oh. at any time that he wants wow and i've done that for all these decades wow so is it all right for us to be the women to serve tea but he also serves you coffee. And he does the Colgate thing. Is that a woman's thing? People may say so, but it's done by KP. So there are little intimacies that in in, in a relationship, one mustn't say it is a man's job or it's a woman's job. It's what you feel in your heart, the moment.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, um, I think a lot of uh, uh, people would be more courageous, men and women. To, to do those acts of service, uh, for yes. their loved ones. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure you're being asked this a lot, you know, being seen as a, a super mom and now a, a super uh, a grandma.
1: I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: then, and then they look at you and they, they seem to have it all. Uh, and if, like, say if a new mom, you know, were, would come up to you, you know, they are trying their best to juggle between their professional work life, uh, running a new business and, you know, bringing up a baby and taking care of a husband and it's feeling really overwhelmed by <laughs> all this, right? You know, like, what are some of the questions you will pose to her or, or things that they, they, they can start thinking about?
1: I'll tell her it gets better every day. And I'll say, enjoy the mess, the chaos, the busyness. Enjoy it. Bit by bit. Um, ask for help. Ask for assistance, whether it's your mother or whether it's your friend. Uh learn about what I was saying earlier. 加減成出, add minus subtract eliminate. Because women need to know the eco map. They need to draw out the eco map, where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are. They also need to find out where those opportunities can be. Those opportunities can be the bosses, their husbands, their their friends who could assist. And what is the biggest threat in the life stage now? The biggest threat to her health, the biggest threat to her marriage, the biggest threat to her sense of peace, she must write it out. So doing that ledger or the balance sheet is everyone's job. I don't think we do that enough. Yes. Sometimes you ask a man, what's the most important thing in your life? And they say, oh, family. And then you ask next, how often do you eat with your family? He, he says, mm, this week I have not eaten a meal with the family. So you believe, but you don't do. You do not walk the journey. Yeah, you need to do something. So doing the ledger allows you to align. Therefore, he has to minus that meeting with who and so to spend, to create time to eat with the family. He has to eliminate da 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 in order to create time with a wife.
0: Yeah, I think what you say um, um, reminds me of uh, this quote that I've uh, recently came across, which is, you know, as a, as a kid, you want everything. As an adult, you make trade-off. Uh, and I think that encapsulates that. Yes. You know, whatever that's important to you, do more of that. Yes. And whatever that's less important, do less.
1: Yes, but you need to sit down and work out the list of what is important to you. And then when you say it, make sure you walk that journey. And if you don't do it and you don't review it and reflect it, uh, it may not happen that years pass by. So the spouse or good friend need to be alongside to remind you of what's important to you. That's what the value of friendship.
0: And is that something you do every uh, week, month, year, quarter?
1: I do have a checklist on a daily basis of what I need to do. Yeah. So for me, I don't work on the uh, like you all do on your phone. I still go on a very traditional diary of a checklist of things I need to do. I always do it the night before what to remind me of what I think. And I also have a notebook where I write down a thought, a duty, a must-do, someone to contact. I will always do it. And it, it irks me when I do not see all the tick. Means I have not discharged my duty. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's a checklist. Yes. I do that on a daily basis.
0: So you do it a night off for the, for tomorrow. Yeah.
1: And I do on an annual basis. I have a plan I work on in October for the following year. And that plan will consist of all my board meetings, all the travel plans, all the business development time that I need to allocate. I have it all planned. I'll send it out to all my, uh, related parties. So that's yearly. That's yearly. Yeah. But that yearly consists of all the quarterly must and then do things. Quarterly already.
0: Translate to monthly to daily.
1: Yeah. Then that, that, that plan is sent out to all my officers. So they know that period I provided for. And that plan is sent to KP because he has his plan. So we need to align. If not, we'll never see each other. Right. And that plan is I will send it to my brothers who are my mahjong takis, oh. so that we know the weekend is set. And these plans are also sent to my th- three children, so that they plan their holiday with ma- us, so that we actually will create the family time. Oh. So it's a lot of planning, and a lot of uh, trade-off and negotiation, yeah. because it will clash. The, then we amend.
0: Yeah, In that family, uh, about three times a year? Yeah, session. but if we don't
1: plan... Nothing will happen. Every time we then start to invite, nobody could make the time (laughs) because it wasn't planned.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: ah, I like that. So planning is is so important. Planning for family, planning for work, planning for travel, all requires planning because now I'm dealing with eight persons in the immediate circle. Mm -hmm. And then with the village and with all the uh, official duties, um, there are schedules to work on.
0: Um, when you came back to Singapore, um, um, did you move? uh, Did you guys move into a separate apartment, or do you move back uh, into KP's family, like a traditional? No, we
1: we had we moved. We looked for an apartment. It's like a two-room flat. Wonderful, less to clean. I didn't have help.
0: Got it. Um, I was chatting uh, with Violet, and, and she she brought up the concept of you know viewing oneself as being water. Uh, would you want to care to elaborate water? on Water? Yes.
1: My daughter wrote something about that in my autobiography, oh. that Mom, Mother is like water. Water is, uh, and there's a beautiful line in Chinese that says, uh, little droplets becoming little tributaries and they become rivers and they become lakes and they become the ocean. I like the, uh, metaphor of water because water is strength, water is, uh, is um, um, forceful, and water, it can get into little spaces uh, and then create impact. Uh, so the adaptive quality of water, it's something I like to remember and, and a way of describing myself. I think I am I, I'm adaptive. I can get into squares, I can get into round, I can get into crevices, I can get into the ocean. Um, so that malleability, that adapti- adaptability are characteristics very important to me. Mm-hmm. And all the more so in this world now, which is what I call VUCA. The VUCA world, which is V-U-C-A, is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. It's going to be even more and more so with new technology and with the digital age. There's nothing going to be so clearly black and white, something that is so certain that we can formulate our responses so quickly. And even though once we formulated it, the vocal world has changed and we're going to find ourselves needing a different solution. But what does that mean? The vocal world requires a response that is versatile, that is unwavering, that is connected focusing on connectivity and with an attitude that always see a glass half full you need that vocal response as I describe it versatile, unwavering connected and, 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 and positive attitude in order to overcome the macro vocal world of economics so water I feel has all those characteristics as I said, water, water is very fluid, um, and it continues to flow. So it's like it or not, it's going to be an element of eternity.
0: Are there any practices one uh, can um, take on uh, daily or you know, yearly to be more water?
1: It's a mindset uh, cognizance that um, respects differences, change, and not to be afraid of change and uncertainty and ambiguity. I think in uncertainty and ambiguity actually is actually an opportunity for becoming. That opportunity for becoming many different things is actually wonderful. Rather than such set becoming, you can be Become many different things, depending on situation, and 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 that chameleon quality is actually a um, a delightful one, a fairly colourful one, because you then you 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 do not pigeonhole yourself. So you can see myself in a very formal meeting. You can see myself in a hawker centre. You can see myself mad in in a in a party. You can see myself very stern at a board meeting too so in a way i feel that versatility and and adopting a repertoire of skill sets to manage a situation it's it's something you grow with in in with maturity and with experiences
0: i think just coming back to your point also on, on being modern, and how actually we have pretty similar view on on, on the same idea um uh, was that you know the, the fighting of oneself your own voice versus societal voice and you know that concept of being water sort encapsulate that because for me i feel that being water is that like you can have a different mask in, in a different situation but the, beh- the person behind the mask which is the water still stays the same you are a very different person when you act with your mom uh, with and your colleagues and uh, with your husband but you it's always the same, but you can shape shit. I flow
1: through all of that, yeah. navigate it. Yep.
0: Yeah. So yeah, for me, actually, uh, you know, you talk about being um, um, the the one's voice voicing out versus the world's voice. Like what it is that you own. And for me, that water was was the sort of um, concept that sort of ties everything together. So I can flow uh, easily through different.
1: So, so the metaphor is that water cleanses. Mm it takes away all the evil angry feelings i may have water nourishes it reinforces the strength within me yeah a water shapes it could shape a landscape it could transform so those are all a very important impact and so I feel that you know, water in 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 is a metaphor I like to use in the way I conduct myself within circles in life and at work.
0: We're going to dive in a little bit into reading because I read that you have, you, know, you read very extensively. Um,
1: not quite. I don't uh, have enough, enough time for it. I have to read a lot of reports. I have to read a lot of the news bits. I, 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 actually listen to what people say. So in that sense, they, they read and then I absorb what they have read and then I process it and, 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 package it. Um, I, I, would like actually more time to, to read. But because I'm doing a National Book Development Council work, I, I read a lot of children's books. That's easy because it's just few words. So it's, it's very quick to read. But actually now reading children's books as an adult is wonderful. <laughs> Because you 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 put it immediately, you digest a lot more meaning in between those words. Mm. Mm. Economy of words, but depth in understanding. How does
0: your planning looks like uh, in terms of your reading? Uh, do you plan reading time into your your weekly schedule? You
1: know, long flights yeah. are very good <laughs> because I can do a lot more reading of the magazines, etc. And I now sometimes download books into my iPad so that I don't have to carry books around. Um, but I actually watch a lot more uh, movies on long flights and on a daily basis because those that I watch actually um, satisfy me in many different ways. It's It satisfies the mind because I watch um, classics, yeah? So, like, uh, dynasties, the series in China. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know about China. Because That's a, a content for me to use when I meet with Chinese partners. Yes. We talk about the history. Uh, it is, called, it is, it is visual because they're beautiful settings. So I learn about design. And you know that I, I, I'm a retailer too. So I do the retail and design work. So it gives me colors and all that. Um, and it gives me the language. It, polishes my language competency in Chinese. Mm-hmm. So I will make a note of some of those important phrases that, that I can therefore use. So watching a series is not just entertainment. It's edutainment. It's purposeful because I learn about phrases. All this helped me in icebreaking with Chinese partners. It's wonderful.
0: And on that note, because I think you as a person you also read a lot on Eastern philosophies and, and, and authors. I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, if you were to give one uh, recommended reading uh, for, say, for example, a year three of a, a class of sociology students, you know, who would, uh, a book or an author or philosopher, you would um, recommend them to, if you can only give one?
1: I will, someone would like your name, Viktor Frankl. Victor Frankl, the man's, for the man's Search for Meaning. Because one is a, a person of the other generation, yet I think his views transcends all centuries. It's also a search on the self-agency and on the meaning and purpose. I will fully recommend any adult young person to start reading the hymn.
0: Um, we're going to dive in a little bit into, uh, routines and, and habits. How does your first 90 minutes of your day look like? Um, habits, rituals. First 90? Yeah. From your wake clean up. Clean your teeth. Oh, okay. Yes. With the toothbrush. Yep.
1: Yeah. Clean your teeth. And, and, and something that I, I kind of realized that only not many people do. And it's something that I was brought up with. Towel your face. People clean their face with all these lotions and all that. I don't. I, I don't have that habit. I towel it. I use a towel and just clean my is face. Is a warm, wet towel? Towel. And just clean. Just dry dry towel? No, wet. Oh, wet. Wet
0: towel. Wet towel. Towel your face. With clear water.
1: Yeah, if not, I will not start the day. I do not feel my day has started. Mm-hmm.
0: And what time does it usually... Uh,
1: first thing, after you brush your teeth, you towel your face. Is it
0: 6 a.m.? Or...
1: Oh, no way. Oh. <laughs> la. You know, when I wake up, like it could be 8 o'clock. Oh. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> the first habit is... Brush your teeth and towel your face. Are two things I could not do without mm-hmm. in the morning, and the day has not begun. Mm-hmm. Now, toweling is that I, I just get water and just towel. That that's all I do. I don't go into all the cosmetic bit that I hear women do, because I don't have that habit. Yeah.
0: And uh,
1: afterwards. And this is something I do since I was a child. Towering your face. And then I learned from afterwards or something. This is actually a very good habit because it's actually already a form of exfoliation and, 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 what do you call that? Uh, exercising your face. Uh,
0: uh, uh, then
1: it's stretch. Uh, stretch. Stretch. Then it's a stretch. Okay. Because I, I do, uh, Tai Chi. Ah. Uh, so I learned some of the stretch. So I think for, for our age, uh, the, avoiding a fall is very important so stretching just la jing, uh, doing the stretch and turning your body are some of the basics that i learned so three things la like, clean your teeth tower your face and stretch your body
0: and do you, when did you start i mean you have a to-do list prepared for the day uh, the day before before i dress uh no when, last night right and then did, when did you start to look into your to-do list and start marking things off Is it once you step out of the house, reach the office, or...
1: The first thing in the morning when I get up, I do that. Then in the office, and throughout the day, there are two things I do. Stretching. I continue to do that. I need it. Because I need to stretch, I need to turn, I need to get out, you know, every time, one hour or two hours sitting down, I do that. And before I do that, I will do the stretch. I do the stretch. Another one is called... A centering, because I move about in many different meetings.
0: Um, Come back to a bit of the Tai Chi thing. If we want to know more about that, then you know, where, where will you point them to? Um,
1: there... I I actually have a Tai Chi class every Tuesday night with a group of sisters. Okay, six of us. Yep. Uh, we, will do, we have a teacher, so she will. She we have done that for two years now. So we will meet and, and then learn the Tai Chi about uh, 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 stretching, breathing, and, and then movement. So when we are at home, we would therefore do do some of those movements of learning. So I learned about focus, attention, and stretching. And now I combine uh, dance movement with Tai Chi.
0: And for someone who wants to know more, where will you point them to? Come uh, to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or a teacher. Or <laughs> the, yeah, I get
1: the teacher. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Wutan Association in Singapore is very active.
0: Ah, okay. They've got classes. Yeah. Is, is, so is, I think. Can I find a link or is there. Because uh, I'm going to put it on the. Wutan I Association. I don't know
1: now. Okay. I can, well, I can, well, I can give it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll
0: find it online. If I can find it, I'll come to you. Uh, no,
1: you, can, you have to just go to the associations. Wutan, they, because they will not do uh, private sessions like the way. You know.
0: Right, right, right. I mean, I even if I mean, I'll find the just address. Wu Tang Association. Yeah, Association. Google go, Wu Association. Okay. Because
1: I really feel that th- that is a very holistic body management on breathing, posture, movement, and stretching. And for me, I know I there, there was one time I was asked to give a talk, and I got the whole three hundred people to stand up to do stretching, and they feel so good after that. And it's just something so simple. You can do it anywhere, in the toilet, in your office, on the plane. When you are before a meeting, it immediately revitalizes you. Now, the other concept I have, yeah. very important, is called centering. Because I found myself doing so many different things in the last three decades. And, and there's business, there's community, there's politics, there's... there's oh no, yeah. I get into many different frames. How do I change? People say change of air. Yes, breathing. But I think it is the mind. I, I find that I needed to, let's say, get into a toilet or get into a space where I just centre. That centre is really about entering, emptying some of our thoughts and breathe and then getting into the next frame, the agenda. I need to get away from this agenda. I need to get into
0: another agenda. So how would this, the 10 minutes?
1: It could be sometimes five minutes, could be ten minutes. Ten minutes is good. Five minutes is good enough. If not, it's ten minutes very good. It's really getting into a moment of emptying your thoughts of your, of your earlier meeting. And then getting into just breathing exercise. Just breathe. Eliminate. Breathe. Eliminate. Breathe. And then get into a frame of your next. So I find myself doing that very often, and it is very helpful. It's very helpful because you need to sort of prepare and uh, poise. You, have, you create the poise for the next meeting. Would you say this some form of like meditation? Um... Not deep meditation, because I, I I going into a silent retreat or all that. You know, I've done that. I've done a, a silent retreat. Uh, but of course, that is for me only like, you know, five hours, whereas my daughter will go and do like five days. Uh, I've gotten into breathing exercises and, and all that. I've got to that those sessions. I've done you know, some basic yoga, uh, and all that. Yes. I learned some of the basic techniques. So I apply that for myself in between schedules to use it to position myself. That's something I feel anyone can do. They have no excuse to say they have no time. You don't need to go and get all your gear to go and enroll and get into a class and pay for it and do it. It's such a a process that you may not want to get to do it. Actually, just get in Google and learn some basic positions and then you can read it and then apply it and do it with some friends and you can do it anytime.
0: Um, is there something you're trying to currently improve in your life? And uh, how do you plan on or think about uh, doing it? Because I think everyone look at you as like such a person who have uh, who have it all, right? But I'm sure, you know, if there is...
1: For this next five years, um, I would like to do more of connecting the dots. Working with the village that I have, whether it's women or it's family, to see where I can be the water to flow through and connect. I will continue to do that because that gives me a lot of joy and deep satisfaction. Uh, I like to find a chunk of time to read and read more and write. The autobiography that I did when I was 60 needs to be translated to English. I've just got too many demands for the English version, so I need to update that and, and write. Uh, I, I, I like to continue to to make reading to children for children, you know, facilitating writers, illustrators to create more Asian content for children, because I think children needs new uh, nourishment, nourishment. They need to. We need new content. We need the Asian content. We don't need to read Cinderella only. We need to read Kopitiam stories. We need to read what Singaporeans write about Singapore. We are 52 years old, Singapore, right? Yeah. And we need the the content to capture the stories and narratives for our children. Um, I need to, I would love to go back to dancing if my bones allow. Uh, I grew up with dancing because that was what my mother put me through as a health management strategy. But I love it. I love to I love to uh I love dancing. I love to learn to dance, new kind of dance forms. Ah. It is yeah, not 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 what hip hop, no. Oh no. no. Uh not the fan, but just dancing, you know. So when I discovered this uh, uh dance uh, uh yoga with this new with this Indian classical dancer. Our teacher, it was wonderful. It is such free form. You list. She taught us some basic Indian dance forms, techniques, and then you put on the music. Depending on what you feel and what you're good at, you just dance. It's free form with the music and learning the, the dance form that she taught us, whether it is stretching or whether it's a hand movement or whether it's a body movement. It was wonderful. It's all about stretching and breathing and Expressing. I'd like to do more of that.
0: Uh, so let's just dive into a quick round of questions, uh, and uh, the answer is uh, short, but uh, I mean the question is short, but the answers don't need to be. Um, um, what are, are some books or books uh, you have given most as a gift??
1: Very selfishly, I've given away a lot of uh, a, a books by my younger son, his book of poetry. Yes, uh, because it was such for me a a, um, a creative product yeah. and something that he's done on his own, mm-hmm. which I'm very proud of, and uh, so and I have a lot of copies of it. So <laughs> that's recently what something that I've given out a lot. Or else, it it's oh, been books at the books that in... shrines. Shrine. Okay. Yes. No, shrines, yes, no, shrines and shrines. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll show you. Yes. Yeah, um, the other one that I I support, you know. Writers, so, uh, there are Willie Lim's books, uh, recently was, uh, Ho Pinky's books on his own, uh, stories of his political life, you know. So I, I, I support, uh, writers like that, so I buy them in bulk and, and, and start to give. Mm-hmm. And children's books like Water, you know. So I, I, I oh, Water uh, is a children's book? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Who, I'll give you a copy who, afterwards. Who's the uh, author? It's written by two persons, uh, 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 a co-partnering. One is Christopher Chang, in Australian Chinese, and one is Susanna Quek from Singapore. And uh, she's the illustrator, and Christopher is the writer. And that book has been translated to Chinese and to Tamil. And this is what we do. It's about water. I mean, we we
0: we want to do uh, a a fair bit of, uh, you know, explaining about that book for people who want to?
1: That was part of our uh, uh, gift in the... uh, Asian Festival for Children's Content, when we that book was produced and that was launched during the festival, uh, some years ago. It's really
0: good for young.
1: Uh, it one. is only for children. Oh, okay. It's 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 really to, to 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 appreciate water, the value of water, and and that book spins off to many many other forums, and seminars, and even POB, you know, what uh, was was in, in engaged in it, uh, so that we want people to appreciate water. But my generation. We actually queue for water. Yeah, there were some dry seasons when we had to switch off all the taps and we all have to queue to get buckets of water home. Uh, this bucket is for washing, this bucket is for food, this bucket is, you know, rationing.
0: So, stride and water. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favourite documentary or movie
1: I like to watch Chinese document—not uh, yes. documentary, but you know, movies. Some of them are documentaries where they will interject with filmlets, but they talk about the various dynasties, about the different emperors and what they do, etc. Okay, I like that. The one that I'm watching now is the Qin, the Qin, Qin dynasty, Da Qin, yeah. yeah, the Qin dynasty, and they talk about some. And I like the three, and I also like the Qing Chao, or the three emperors, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yongzhen Huang Chao, Hang you... Wow. Can oh, I find that
0: on the internet? Or oh, like a yeah, it is.
1: These are old documentaries. Okay. These are old documentaries. Um. And then the, the, then you have also the, 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 movies. They try to, you know, create those dynastic struggles. So the one I'm watching mm-hmm. was on Xiang Yu and on Liu Bang. That means the, the start of the Han dynasty. Mm.
0: If, if I were have try to find out on the internet, what, what
1: should I? I would give it to the title, so everyone knows. Okay,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to put a link. So um, yeah. What have you purchased recently under $100 that has most impacted your life?
1: A correct weighing machine. Okay, do you
0: what brand? Uh, uh...
1: Because I, there was some machine that actually doesn't work very well. It sort of tells you you're always at the weight, so you're very happy. Finally got a new one. I said, Oh my gosh. So, you know, so that has correctly weighed us. And then when I see that I on a very heavy week of, uh, Guaman, expeditions, whoa, it goes up to like 55, 54. Say, you know, the next three days will be no carb, no meat, salads. And so I, it, it instructs me and guides me on my dietary management and my events management. So I will aim at 52, which is the right balance. And anytime it shoots up to 54, I know what I have to do the next week.
0: Um, do you like your weighing machine so much as to recommend to others?
1: I will tell you no. Know. It's oh. just a very simple square piece of. Oh, here, okay, right, yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's less than hundred dollars. Right. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean, is that that is the brand that people can... No, it's oh. just
1: having a good, uh, because even if it's a bad one, it registers, it benchmark you. Then yeah. you use it as a benchmark, and you work, work yourself up, you know, or down, and and but that I tell you has been a specter. It's a morning ritual. Mm. After the, cleaning teeth, after the toweling, it's a weighing machine. You look at your weight. And then you know today, in lunch, what you order, if you're invited. Should you go with steak or should you just take salads? And then you also know the next three days, if you have all these dinners lined up, you better watch it that go for fish or eat less of something. It tells you about your dietary management, which is very important. Because if not, you just eat, right? And because all the food is so delicious, you don't care about your weight.
0: What is the worst advice you see or hear being dispensed in your circle?
1: Worst advice? Huh? Um, very hard to say. Worst advice. Huh? I I thought about thought about the worst advice given to me. Oh,
0: sure.
1: Um, I I can't think of one. They're all good. <laughs> No, 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 no. They're not. They're good because you don't really know whether it was good or bad until afterwards, when it happened, right? Then things happen, right? But I, I haven't had such disasters to then say that was such a terrible. Episode. There are little trivial ones, you know, not to go for this meeting or oh, it was so trivial. Uh, but I hear parents telling, and I see storyline in movies when parents tell daughters, go and find a rich man. I think that's a terrible advice. Because it doesn't mean that she'll be happy. And it doesn't mean that he will be forever rich. And it also doesn't mean that wealth means something you should look at for a man, in a man. So this, I feel, is a bad advice. In the same way, Telling a man, telling another man, go look for a pretty girl. It's also a bad advice because these are all superficial.
0: Um, are there any advice for your twenty-eight-year-old self and thirty-eight-year-old self, and um, maybe place us uh, where I at?
1: At twenty-eight, you would have finished your university. You would have worked for for five to six years. I will say it's time to be serious, to plan what your next venture. At 28, start your own business. If you have something that you're passionate about, that's the time you can start. At 38, if you're not married, think of marrying. Find the right find the right man, have a child. If you're already married, this is also the time, you're probably your children will be very young. So, enjoy that growth, be part of that journey.
0: And where where were you at, at uh, 38?
1: I lost my mother. Uh, I suddenly felt I was the woman in the family, the woman and mother in the family. Um, No, I lost my father. I lost my father. I become, and my mother had a stroke when I was 30. So I knew about health management early because I was the only girl in the family. Mother had a stroke. I was had to be the one to change, nurse, wash her. I learned early. So when father left when I was 36, I felt that I was like the caregiver of mother. And then I lost my mother at 46. Then I became the mother, woman, sister in the clan, so-called, yeah? Uh, so at 38, I just lost my father. My, um, uh, my son was really young, uh, just about seven, or eight. Then I had my daughter. So I was a young mother uh, uh, raising two kids and doing, some, doing part-time teaching at university.
0: Any advice with you, if you were to, for her?
1: Life gets better. And that, you know, uh, enjoy the family. Um, every day is yet another day. You just do it better.
0: When you think of the word successful, who came into your mind and why?
1: Uh, the notion of success for me, it's about someone who comes to terms with himself, herself. Um, and I don't see a huge lot of that in what people think are successful people. Because I think sometimes discontent is actually the driver of achievements. But the sense of success is not tied to that, always. And back to what I said earlier, someone who knows himself, herself, and her his situations, and able to come to terms with it all and be service to the community and is happy in this position character, is a very successful person. And that is rare. I see in what we call successful personality, but I see a lot of discontent. I see a lot of their dysfunctions. I see a lot of tension in the community. Do you call that successful? Not sure, they are, they are they have a lot they have achieved a lot, but I'm not entirely th- sure that it's called successful. So there are some people whom I feel are very average in all the indices of what you see as tangible achievement, but are people who know their, 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 themselves, who know themselves well, know where their limits are, able to yet be a very embracing and nurturing. And coming to terms with life, with, with it all, I really feel they have a very successful life in that sense. Although you may count on their achievements as not huge. So I, I think it's, 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 it's a matter of perspective.
0: What are some of the most common misconceptions about you or your work?
1: Oh, that I'm wealthy from the day one. Everyone, even I, I tell them that I, I live in a two-room flat. No way! I said that I have a double-decker bed. I slept with all my brothers. Wow! And I explain to them about a the canvas room. You know, they they don't know what it is. And when when they they when I was given only fifteen dollars a day, uh, a month for my university years, and with that I manage my books, my dresses, my shoes, everything. So I know a lot about budgeting. You know, so. People just think that, you know, Claire, Claire is wealthy from day one. So they, the, that's the biggest misconception about my origin, my growing up, and uh, who I am.
0: Um, other than the um, morning routines that we talk about, are there any other habits or, or, or rituals that you find important for your, your life?
1: Watching videos. Because I, th- I, I don't sit and just watch. Uh, I do that maybe just one hour, just to get myself off from the day's uh, 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 efforts. Uh, I put it on and use my ear and listen while I do other things. So that has been something that I grew up as a child because I only had red diffusion. We didn't have TV until I was 16. So we depended on that $5 red diffusion. So I listen every evening, 5 p.m., rush home to listen to Lei Saw. So. You know, I listen to story. So storytelling and narratives are so important to me because that's how I learn. I listen to all my seniors when they learn, their, they talk about their work. I listen. I listen, being a youngest child, I listen to the family elders talking. I listen. I listen to Red Infusion. So storytelling is something that I grew up with and I, I I really like. Um So that is something I always end the day with. Listening, watching a video and listening sometimes or watching it for a little while before I go. I always sleep with a story, with a storyline.
0: Are there any... Um ask or request for the audience, last parting words, thoughts to take away, to consider, to try or
1: otherwise? In life, there are ups and downs. And I really feel when you identify all those barriers and all the no's and the nasty things, get over it. Get over it. And just do it. It's a Nike way. Just do what you want to do that day. It is in doing, we gain strength. We forget the pain. We substitute bad memories. It's by doing, not by talking, not by thinking, not by dreaming, not by hoping. It's by doing, Roll up our sleeves, get onto the job. By doing, all the processes will kick start and you will forget the pain You will forget the uh, nastiness and you're already substituting by doing new memories. And that will be like a bandage, you know, take away the earlier injury. And be real. The last thing is be yourself. Now, this is like very cliche, be yourself. How do you be yourself? It's a journey of continually doing things, finding yourself, making mistakes, picking up yourself and doing it again, that you will then know who you are and what you want. And then be able to justify why you are doing what you are doing. You need to take the steps. And there are many, many, many different steps.
0: Are there any upcoming projects that uh, people can look forward
1: to? Yes. Come to the festival... Asian Festival for Children's Content, and be delighted by the 100 new titles that Singaporeans have written for children between in May 17th to the 23rd.
0: I hope this is going out before then. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> or, or come to, uh, uh, in, to um, join me in the Republic Polytechnic where well, I have a faculty, students and teachers to tell us the importance of low-glucose food. We do not eat well. We eat hawker food that is too rich in oil, salt, and sugar. So we need to learn about uh, caring for the body because as parents, we need to learn how to provide food that is nutritious and healthy for the next generation. So join me in the Syrian foster program in some of this Conference on the Move visits. We make that help to inform us on how we should manage our health.
0: And uh, the last question will be, where can people find you or your projects on the interweb?
1: Mm, You know, I'm not the generation of using all this uh, technology. So I have very specific organisation that can actually access the the website. One will be uh, NBDCS, National Book Development Council of Singapore. The other will be Shireen Foster Program in SMU. Uh, you can find all the programs and the activities there. And if they, they are all free, come. Hey,
0: people. It is over. As usual, all show notes, links, books can be found on the website, brianvictor.com. Brian for why. And if you have any misfits you'd like to hear their story or you have to learn from them, any specific topics, feel free to drop in an email. You know, thank you once again for taking your time out to listening to this humongous long episode. And I hope you learn something from it as much as I do. And have a fantastic week. (laughs)